Hey guys, for those of you that haven't joined us before, I'm John Harris. I'm a professional drummer and educator and best friends with me, Ben Jones. I am a professional bassist and educator. And over the last 15 years, we've been working, laughing and living together, navigating the ups and downs of teaching in higher education and having a jolly old time in the UK music industry. This podcast is our way to open the doors of our friendship and professional lives to discuss all things music and life. Welcome to our podcast, Beats and Best Friends. We rolling? Good to go, homie. Woo! Okay. Hello, everybody, and a very welcome... No, that makes no sense. Let's try that again. (laughs) (laughs) And a very welcome. What a great start. And a very welcome to you all. Uh, Yeah, welcome to episode five. My goodness me. Um, I can't believe it. It's just every week we do this, it just gets more and more fun. And I'm very excited, but nervous about today in terms of we've had a talk about it, but we still don't really know where it could go. And, you know, we're going to talk about mental health today. And I... I'm going to start by sharing my intention for this episode. I want it to be something that people can hopefully listen to and go, okay, I'm not alone. That's that's my intention for it. I've got no shame attached to this. I'm I'm very happy to share everything and I really just want people to kind of go, oh, cool, we can talk about this stuff because that's the biggest thing for me. Yeah, definitely. And I think as well, you know, when we were sort of talking about this, the the intention really for, for this episode and also for the podcast is just for us to be open and honest, right? Absolutely, mate. And there's, you know, I'm, I'm not sort of ashamed of anything oh, or no. I've got nothing to hide. And I think, like you say, it's, it, you know, when I listen to podcasts, I really like that moment where you go, oh, I'm not alone. Mm. Someone else thinks like that. 100%. So if anyone can relate, then amazing. Absolutely. But how are you in general? It was always a good question to start yeah. on a mental health episode, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. How are you, mate? <laughs> I'm pretty good, actually. I'm I'm really loving the free weekends at the moment. Yeah. Because we're it's January. Yeah. And we are. Uh, I mean, it's it's a quieter time of year in terms of gigs, unless I really. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but really, unless you've got like a tour, the gigs are a slightly more quiet in this Tend time to of be year. Right, yeah. And. I'm just really grateful mm. at the moment for, for my teaching. So I'm doing kind of really four days a week at the moment. I'm doing three at ICMP here in London. And I'm doing one at another school that I teach at. And it's actually worked out quite nicely because I've got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday teaching. Mm. Friday, I go into my studio and prep all my content. And I do a load of practice, which I don't usually get the time to do. So yeah. like I'm really I'm feeling good behind the kit at the moment, practicing loads. And then Saturday and Sunday, it's just like go to the gym, catch up with with Claire and just have a lovely sort of relaxing weekend. So, yeah, it's good. That sounds wonderful. So here's a question. How would you rate your mental health at the moment out of 10? Ooh, that's a good good question. I'm going to do the same to you in a minute. Um, I'd say eight. Nice. Yeah. That makes me feel good. Yeah, I think it's... Maybe no. I'm gonna go seven. Seven, yeah. Because a bit more conservative. It's it's tax return month. Oh yeah. Which is always a bit stressful. Yeah, I've got to do that this week. And my tax return was a little bit more than I thought it was going to be. But it's all good. Mm-hmm. But it's always that kind of that month where you're like, right, I've got the tax return coming in. 
it's a little bit quieter. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and also, I'm kind of done with winter now. I, I need yeah. to, I need some sun in my life. But I've been going to the gym lots, and you know, I'm feeling generally quite calm and quite good. So yeah, nice. I, I'm going to go seven. Nice. What about you? Um, I think if I take right now of like as the kind of whole of January, I would say it's bang in the middle of a five. Okay. I've really struggled this month, like. Um, just in general, like coming back from um, Christmas and then straight back into teaching out of nowhere, assessments, lots of stuff going on. And, you know, for those of you who are following this in order, you'll know that my little dog's not been very well as well. And it's just been it's just been a bit rubbish. But um, I actually sent a voice note to Claire this morning catching up with her. And I said, you know what, this has been this podcast has been the thing that I've that's held me together. Obviously, my partner as well and everything at home. But like. In the general working week, this knowing we're doing this every Thursday oh, is like right. I've really needed this because it's it is a space that's really helped. So um, yeah, it's been it's been a bit up and down, um, but I think five is fair. I think anything lower, and I think I might be uh, not acknowledging the good things that have been going on because yeah. we've had some great lessons. The students have been doing really well. Mm. I've had some great conversations with people. So I think just a five in the middle mm. is a fair balance. That's lovely as well. That you know, so for. Those of you that are listening, my, my partner Claire and Ben are really close and um, have been for a long time now. And it's it's just lovely that you guys can kind of talk yeah. like that. You know, it's that's, that's a really positive thing, I think. Well, I've, you know, my family are all boys, basically. Mm-hmm. I've, I've only got brothers um, and I've always wanted a sister and Claire is like my sister. So it's it's the best relationship to have is someone who I really view as family. But as a sister, it's great. Man, she's going to be buzzing when she hears that. Yeah, so she's gone out on the airwaves there. <laughs> Um, okay, so I suppose we should probably get into it. And for those of you who listened to episode four, obviously, <laughs> the best and worst gigs was really, really fun to explore. Um, and I said at the end that my worst gig ever was um, was a gig that I lost, which was the Odyssey gig. And, and I wanted to sort of pause it there and then pick up that story um, now with mental health. And before I sort of go into the details on that, I was. We were just coming upstairs to sort of come into this room and sit down. I was just thinking about something that came into my head and it was that my dad always said something to me, which is that if you're really into your passion and your passion is your job, when it goes wrong, it hurts a hundred times harder. And that moment and everything that surrounded that was without a doubt the hardest moment of my life, without a doubt. And I think... What I want to do through today is, first of all, talk to people generally about just decisions Mm -hmm. and how, as a musician, you're going to make the wrong decisions. Um, As a person, you're going to make the wrong decisions. But also, I don't think any of that matters. I think what's most important is what you take away from it. Yes. What does it teach you? And I think that there's... um, there's another, and I cannot, I'm not even going to try and remember who said this, but I'm just going to say the thing because it's it's what I'm thinking at the moment, is that if you keep making mistakes, you haven't learned the lesson that's been put in front of you, and that's why it keeps happening. And what was really interesting about this experience was that I felt like I finally got to learn the lesson that might have shown up in other ways throughout my life that I just kind of went, oh, that's that, and made it mean something else. But then when this happened, it was like, oh... No, no, this has been coming for a while. It just was wearing different faces and now it's worn, worn this face. 
So let me just go straight into it. So the context is that we've got the Odyssey gig and we've been sort of, well, spotted basically on a gig and, and Steve, the the band leader was like, look, I want you guys to do it. And it, we were buzzing and all these wonderful things. So we'd been in rehearsals and it was all sounding amazing. And we were all kind of a little bit giddy because we were like, my God, it's really happening. This is amazing. And um, so I, I had a partner at the time who was a musician, but wasn't quite back in it yet. She had been a musician and she was really keen to get back into it. And um, we worked together at ICMP and um, you know my career was was doing really well and I was very happy with it and uh, she was really keen to get into her career as a drummer and I have always been someone who likes to help people I think it's led to me where I am as a leader and you know, working in education and stuff like that and I thought my you know, my philosophy is always, if you can, send the elevator back down so the next person can come back up, you know, that sort of thing. If you're doing well, what can you do to lift someone up? And my partner was really keen to improve and develop her career. And I was like, well, I think I can help. You know, I'm my career's going pretty well. I think I can give you some advice. And I can give you some guidance. And we were living together and, you know, very lucky we had uh, drums in one of our little spare rooms so we could play all the time. And I said, right, you know, let's do this properly. And, you know, she was she's a great drummer. And, you know, ironically, we might even meet her at some point on one of these podcasts. Um, and so she was basically wanting to get her showreel together and get some videos together and all that stuff. So I had the Odyssey thing going on and, you know, I'd already, you know, John and I have been playing together for a long time at this point. So we had a lot of, you know, previous history there and it was all fine. And I was kind of like, look, I'm going to really help her and 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 focus on that because I you know I had the songs. I played the Odyssey set nearly every day. I just sat there headphones on, bashing the songs through. We did rehearse, so I was like, this is totally cool. So the day of the gig, we actually double booked not double booked as in I got it wrong we double booked and to do two sessions so I was going to do one session with her in the morning and then we were going to drive to Portsmouth for for the gig for the Odyssey gig and um I think we were doing three songs in the studio with her and they were fairly complex songs she wanted to do some quite complex stuff and I, it was basically just a drum and bass thing um so that was really cool and we had it all rehearsed and stuff and you know I think looking back on it I might have felt I'm just walking that line. Is it too much? But I was yeah. like, well, it's my partner. It's important. And, you know, I did what I did. So anyway, do the studio session. Went really well. Pretty standard. Nothing really to report on that. It just sounded great. Did the job and left. Got in the car, drove to Portsmouth. Everything was fine. Didn't feel nervous at all. Felt just kind of like, yeah, this is really fun, really exciting. And then... We had quite a long time between sound check. I remember we did sound check and then we went on for a while. And I remember going out for drinks or just like a little drink, you know, before we went on. And I remember losing my phone somewhere. Okay. And I remember just panicking a bit because you know, I, I, no one likes to lose their phone. It's not a fun feeling to know you can't contact or be contactable. And I remember. I remember thinking about that, thinking, oh, then it was in my head. And then I was like, oh, shit. Okay, this is actually quite a big deal. I've lost my phone. And I remember it just, 
I didn't feel super supported by the group in terms of finding my phone, right? And and that's just me being honest. Like, you know, it just it was my problem, but I was kind of like, you know, I just needed someone to sort of help me out a bit. So anyway, I can't even remember if I found the phone now. It just I remember that was going on. And then we went on stage and it all started really well and everything was fine. And then something started to go wrong in my head and I could feel myself slipping out of focus. And it's a weird feeling that because as a musician, most of the time, you know if you know something or you don't. And if you don't, you know you're going to have to blag your way through it. But this was weird because I knew it and I knew what I was doing. And then suddenly I didn't know what I was doing. It was there and then it was gone. It was like someone had just wiped the hard drive and you're like, you go to click on your folders and you're like, there's nothing there. You're like, oh shit. Yeah. Or you get that horrible Apple, you know, the little uh, question mark with the yeah, folder. Yeah, you're yeah. like, oh good, everything I've ever known has disappeared. And I remember thinking, no, it's gone. And I don't think I'm going to get it back. And then it was like, okay, well now we're in the gig. The gig is happening right now and I'm I'm panicking. I'm like, this is, this is not good, it's gone. And at that point, the mistakes just sort of, and again, you know, I'd lo- I would love to have gone and actually listened back and seen what actually happened. But I knew the moments I made mistakes and I could feel that. And, you know, there were moments where it just wasn't sitting and stuff. And anyway, the gig ended and I remember feeling like this isn't good. This isn't a good feeling. I don't feel like it's going to get... um you know, I remember speaking, I can't remember which who it was, it was Dave or, or uh, um, the keys player, Graham. Graham, can't remember who it was, but I just remember the look of like someone who's just shat on your doorstep and you'd be like, mate, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, it's fine, don't worry about it, it's not your fault. And um, anyway, so I drove back and I think it was like a, th- I think it was like a Friday night that, that gig was or something. Anyway, Sunday night, get the email through from from Steve the band leader and it's it's the it's the message I thought it was being it's like you know basically it was it was basically like you've lost the gig but not only have you lost the gig he wrote something and I oh man it fucking hell this really still gets to me even now he was like it just wasn't anywhere near the level that I would expect for a professional and I was just like oh I did not know that yeah and Ouch. I was like Okay. And I remember this was the first time Oh, I did. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Um this was the first time I'd ever experienced a panic attack. And I remember reading that email. Oh, matey. And going downstairs into the bedroom. And just, I used to have my desktop. Oh, you can set me off now. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, it's cool. I, and we're not going to stop. Like, I really, it's fine. Um, I remember looking at the desktop and just reading this email over and over again and just spinning out. Yeah. Just absolutely spinning out. And I remember my partner trying to console me, but it was like, it was like that first time you... I don't know, like first time you fall in love, first time you know what anger is. It was a, it was an emotion I never felt. It was like this crushing feeling of despair. Like I didn't know who I was anymore. And like everything that had happened to that point didn't mean anything anymore. And um, so I remember 
I remember that night I just I didn't sleep I just stayed up and everything at that point started to change for me because I remember obviously we had to speak because <laughs> obviously we were we were still friends and um I think actually the hardest part of this whole thing was what it meant for you and me and our friendship and um it I think letting myself down was one thing, but I felt like I'd let you down as well after all of our years together. <laughs> no, I, I, I knew this was going to be hard. Today. No, no, this is like, really I think me it's, off. it's important because you know we we can <clears throat> laugh and joke and stuff, but you know underneath fifteen years of of living and you know living our lives together, there are some darker times as well. And um, I think it was that feeling that crushed me the hardest because I was like. We'd always spoken about people who'd let us down. We, every musician loves a good bitch, right? They'd be under no illusion. Every musician loves a good bitch. But I never thought I would be that person. And I think that at that point, I, I realised that I had decided to choose myself second. And I chose to follow my partner to support her. Because looking at on it now, it's just lunacy. Why the hell did I book a session yeah. on the day of my biggest gig so far? Well, I did it because I thought, well, what you do is you support your partner first. And really, what this is what this led to, what what this really was, was the proper doorway into understanding my psychiatric and, and mental struggle which has been a messiah complex of of trying to save people trying to do whatever you can for someone because without going into crazy personal detail i was born in australia my mum and dad split up and my mum came over to england when i was about two and a half and my dad stayed in australia my mum met um my dad who is my dad now and I refer to him as my dad he's my stepdad I suppose but he is my dad in my eyes um it's not so long after that I think I was four or five so it was only a few years after that and then they've been together ever since it's, yeah. it's, it's a lovely story but I never thought that that had affected me at all and then as this thing hit me and as the sub subsequent months and and it got really bad because we our relationship changed for a bit at yeah, that point it and it was and it was really tough because i don't think either of us had the words and we were we were so ill equipped to deal with that and i think there was a lot of you know male bravado a lot of like we're not really going to talk about this stuff and you know it was it was really tough but what i look at now is that in that moment was that because I felt that if I help and, and, and are there for everybody, no one's going to leave me, which is my thing. Because I, I always felt that because my dad stayed in Australia and I came over here, I've always had this sort of sense of people are going to leave me. Even though my life has worked out so well and I wouldn't change my parents for the world, I have always carried this feeling that someone will leave you because there's a part of me that feels like I was left and then came over obviously to England, but my dad stayed over there. And 
now, like I can see it with such clarity. It's so strange looking back on it with these eyes going like, and that's what it was. So I looked at it and thought, well, if I don't help my partner do this, she's going to leave me. Mm. So I know in my heart that I should have focused on myself, not in a selfish way, just in I had the greater need. It was my gig. I should have been the one where I go, well, then we'll do it, but we'll do it next weekend or we'll do it the next day. Yeah, You don't do it the same day. And at that point, the crushing feeling was there is nowhere to hide but myself. So I had yeah. to start staring into that and go, right, well, what the hell does this mean? And then piece by piece, I unraveled one at a time. Like I really started to unravel. I started to have massive um, swings in self-loathing and um, particularly around how I looked um, which then sent me into the gym and like onto the creatine and you know the normal the normal stuff change everything about yourself um lost all confidence in my playing I mean I didn't even really want to play I felt so ill when I sort of picked up the bass but I still had to there were still gigs and stuff to do and I still needed the money um but a couple of years later and I you know I I can't even remember how many years it was, but I remember sort of, I think it was, no, it was about a year. The Odyssey gig had carried on and we'd never spoken about it. No. And it and it's so funny now to look at that because it's like, of course we didn't. Of course we didn't just go, right, mate, let's go for a drink and let's talk about this. Well, I mean, first of all, mate, like, Again, like I said in the last one, it like so brave of you, and it's also I can't. This table's far too big. I just want to jump up. I know. And give you a big <laughs> no, 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 but we'll so, do that like, afterwards. Thank you so much for sharing yeah, of that. Course. But like, what I think going back to the gig is that you know you said like you just kind of for a sudden you just forgot yourself, and yeah, when went. we were playing, I was kind of looking over to you and I was like, "What are you doing? Yeah, because who are you? <laughs> you were you were making like these mistakes, and I was like." you don't do this yeah. and they were so silly yeah and you know maybe silly is not the right word no, no it was like, silly is the right was, word it was silly i was like what is he Crazy doing mistakes. and it, i could i could see mm. i could see in your eyes that something wasn't quite right there yeah. and i think back then like you say we just rather than talk about it yeah. we ignored it yeah. and I, I don't think we could we could look each other in no, the face and have that conversation so weird whereas now we're talking yeah. to each other Face to face and recording it. I know it's crazy. And putting it? it out to everyone. And I think that's like a testament to our relationship and also how 100%. much we've moved on, how much you've moved on as a person. And I know what you mean as well, because it's when you when you fail as a musician or you think you failed, it's like it's almost like that defines you. Yeah. And so it's that, that one mistake that you or the couple of mistakes you made on stage for like what an hour mm. then haunts you. Yeah. For you know, for for years, Mate. whatever afterwards, and I think as a musician, it's it's really tricky to kind of like face up to those mm. mistakes. And also, we were living together. Oh mate! So it, it was wasn't wild. like we just did the gig and then fucked off and went home. We had to go back, and we were living together. We were also doing other gigs together, which presents another it's challenge. So weird, because then it? when we're on the gig, it's like back in the back of our minds, it's like yeah. well. And then I was going off and doing the gig, of the other the Odyssey, Odyssey gig. Yeah. And the, the thing that was really tricky for me was that I, and this again is, is probably, you know, me being slightly selfish and like sort of career driven. Mm. But at the time I was like, I wanted to protect you. Yeah. But at the same time, I didn't want to lose the gig. Absolutely. Because no, I was like, I this it. is my dream gig. And so I felt in one sort of, you know, in one sort of point that I was betraying you. Mm. 
but at the other point I was like well but I need to do this gig and like yeah. I you know and, and also you know I'd sort of work my ass off of course it. And yeah, why should you sacrifice yourself? But it was it made me feel awful and there was just so many emotions. Yeah. And I remember when we went and had that chat and we got it out all around the table. And I remember how like thinking how brave you were to like one because I think you approached me and like because I was gonna leave it up to you. Yeah. And be like, dude. That know, was a long time afterwards. Yeah. I think that was over a year before we spoke about it. And I think properly. It, we might have yeah. mentioned it in like really crappy ways, but we never sat down till over a year. Well, because I, I, part of me, I think crazy. who I was with at the time, I was like, I feel like I should bring this up yeah. because I, I want to tell Ben that I fucking love him and, yeah. and that everything's okay and we need yeah. to have this chat. But at the same time, I didn't want to make you feel uncomfortable. No, I really appreciate so that. So I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I, it was, I was so confused yeah, by it all. Mate, absolutely. It was really tricky. It was, it was wild. And like, and of course, because of our professional friendship networks interlocking, I felt that Nick got caught in the middle of this as well yeah. because he he was on our gigs as well and like I wasn't talking to him about it either you weren't talking to him about it. we just had this like cloud that sat over our not even our friendship we our shut, lives we shut off we didn't shut we, we shut it off it just got put totally in a box ignored it and completely forgotten about but what's so crazy is that when I went home all I thought about was that moment. And I went over it in my head over and over again. Well, first of all, it was, even though my, the relationship I was in at the time wasn't right for me and it wasn't right for her, and I'm sure she would agree with that, um, It, I really, really started to grow resentment for her because I was like, this is your fault. Yeah. Which is so stupid. And, and you know, I've, I've told her since then that, of course, it wasn't her fault. I made the choices. It's my decision to have done that. No one else is to be responsible. It's my decision. But I was like, yeah, it's your fault. And then, ironically, her career really took off. Yeah. And I was left behind. Oh, so I was like, okay. This has cost me potentially my biggest friendship with you, my relationship-ish. So what am I left with? Mm. And I remember that before this, we'd been on a tour together um, with a band and we met one of our very good friends, the guitarist, Jim Board. Oh, yeah. Loved sweet, sweet Jim. Sweet Jim. If you're listening, Jim, we love you. And he told us a lot about his struggles with stuff that he'd had. And he basically, he got me into um, TM. For people who don't know what TM is, it's Transcendental Meditation. And um, it's a wonderful practice, and I highly recommend it. Um, anyway, I was doing TM for that point. I'd already had quite a few issues with a previous partner, and that really messed me up. So TM really helped. And I remember thinking, like, I don't know what to do with this feeling. And I was meditating on it every day, and... It just wasn't going away. And it's really weird. Like, I cannot stress enough to everybody out there. Like, just talk about it. Mm. Just talk about it. It is never going to be as bad as if you don't talk about it. And I was like, I was I was beyond crisis at that point. I just didn't know what was going on. I wanted to quit. I thought I'm not going to be a musician anymore. Luckily, actually here at ICMP... I was teaching a bit and then more opportunities came and I thought, right, I don't have the right to be a musician anymore, so I need to go and be a teacher. But that threw up its own challenge because then I was teaching and feeling no authenticity in what I did. Yeah. So I was standing up in front of students saying these things thinking, 
how fucking dare you? You just lost this gig. What, what should you be telling everyone? So then I went through this other crisis about my teaching. And at that point, I started to really unravel in, in every way. I didn't really understand who I was anymore. I started serial dating and just trying to bury my feelings in relationships and, and that. And then I remember meeting my wonderful partner, Hannah, and I just love the fact that she just called me on all my bullshit straight away. <laughs> she was like, nah, 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 nah. You need to sort this out because she had gone through her own stuff and she'd sorted it out. And um, I remember going into therapy for the first time and it just, it all just started to come out. I was like, oh, I see what this is. Mm. And it was like, you know, I had to basically contact my biological dad. I needed to reach out to him and get wow. closure. And it's just so funny because this event, even though it obviously shaped my professional career and actually, you know, turned it into what it is now, it it all stems from what I was carrying with me. And, and like, this is the thing, and I, I am such a believer in this. If you can, I know it's a cost and I know that it's not available to everyone, but even if you can get on the NHS or free services where have some therapy. Yeah. Talk about what's on your mind because I didn't realise I had this Messiah complex. I didn't realise I got my value from other people and I didn't have anything of myself. And I look at my years from, let's say, I don't know, probably 16, sort of around 14, 16, up until I was about 25. Um, and it was the same pattern. Go find someone who's broken. Go and fix them mm -hmm. because then you'll feel like someone values you and they won't leave you. But then they're fixed and I'm bored, so I leave. Then go find the next charity case. And of course, that kind of chameleon effect of going around and doing this is brilliant in our industry because you can just get on with everybody. Like I'm, I know that I can meet someone and be like, we will get on because I, just, I, I know it. And I've worked very hard on being a like social chameleon. And the thing that I never did ever was ask myself who I am, what I believe, what I want, and what I need. It was always, well, you don't get value from yourself. You're going to get value from someone else. And that was the biggest lesson I've ever learned. And if I could go back, even though that time was horrendous, I wouldn't change a single thing of it because it allowed me to see well, it allowed me to see where I was going. It was it was going to break me. And if mm. I hadn't have done that and then gone through the the therapy and even though it was a very short stint of therapy, it wasn't long. It was enough to get a handle on what was going on. And then from that point on, I'm just so, so lucky that my partner is just the most incredible person. And we just, we've built a, a relationship on very different foundations than I've ever had before. And it has changed the way I am now. And I'm so grateful for that. But yeah, it was it was awful and picking up your instrument and feeling like you're betraying it and you don't deserve to play it is a savage feeling and if i could save anyone from that feeling i want to be able to do that because if you're having a bad time if you're thinking about things talk about it because it will come out and it will come out way harder if you don't do it fairly soon but yeah so you know that I mean, we could go on and on and on yeah, and on. Yeah. But that for me is the kind of, <clears throat> that sums up that whole experience as best as I can. Mate, thank you so much for sharing that. And You're I think so as welcome. well, like, 
for those of you that are listening, you know, from the um, from the other episodes where we've sort of discussed Odyssey, yeah. you can now kind of see, you know, how yeah. hard that was oh, for yeah, you. Oh, yeah, 100%. And also how much I respect sort of Ben coming to some of these gigs because to see to go and watch a band oh, that mate. you used to be in is, that's intense, man. And yeah. I, you know, that's why I love you so much because you were there for me no matter what. And I really, really respect you for that. I really appreciate I it. I would never have missed that O2 thing. I remember going to the loo, actually, and I think uh, Claire and I went to ZZ's or something in the O2 or whatever. I went to the toilet and I I just took a moment and I just sort of closed my eyes and I thought, right, it's okay to feel the feeling mm. that you should be there tonight on stage with him. You don't have to suppress that. But just look at what you've got. Look at where you are and look what you can do to be there for your friend. And I was like, that to me was the moment where I'm like, okay, this is not about suppressing things anymore. And that's what I used to do. Yeah. I just suppressed everything. It's like, you just don't think about it. And I'm very good at that. And there's lots of ways you can you can help yourself to not do that. <laughs> um, but like, it was that moment where I embraced the old and the new. Like, I can still feel sad but that doesn't mean that I can't feel happy at the same time. I never knew you could feel both at the same time. I was yeah. like, oh, no, I'm sad. So I'm de- therefore I'm depressed and therefore yeah. I can't have anything good in my life. So, yeah, that was an amazing test, actually. And now I look back on it and I obviously got very upset there because it was very visceral going back to that point. But I look back and I'm like, oh, man, I'm so grateful for it. Oh, my God, I'm so grateful. Because yeah, I wouldn't be able to have the relationship that I have now if I didn't. Yeah. And you've and you've also you've achieved so much. Like it's mm. led you on a different path. Totally. And like I think you know, with with anything that happens, yes, you know, if you have, if something happens that you can't control, it's awful. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, things do happen for a reason, and Absolutely. at the time it might not seem so. But yeah. you know, I don't think we'd be sat here now doing no. this. No, we wouldn't. I don't think you'd be where you are in ICMP. Oh God, no. And what you've achieved on that front yeah. is just next level. So it's, it's you know, yeah. it's, it, it just sometimes takes you in a different direction and that's okay. Totally. No, you're absolutely right. And I I also think really I wouldn't be with my partner. Yes. And like I, when I look back to what and who I was Agreed. dating and spending time with, it just was, I was looking, what's that song? I was looking for love in all the wrong places. Do you know what I mean? It was toxic. It was toxic. And, you know, there were good times. I'm not like, I please, you know, please don't think if any of my exes here, they're like, <laughs> you bastard. But like, of course there were good times, but it was, it was finite. Yeah. It was always going to end because it was just in the wrong, I was looking for the wrong thing. And like, you know, it just helped me to understand who I am. And like, I'm 35 years old. I'm not 100% sure I am going to be like this forever but right now I feel the most in control of what I feel for the first time and I just that to me is worth the journey alone like honestly like oh just being able to just look at a situation and go okay before I spiral out it's just I've got some tools now let's talk about it let's think about it so yeah mate amazing 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 so over to you. <laughs> over to me. Come on. Ooh, this is a heavy episode. Oh, I love it. I'm glad we're doing this. Yeah. And, I, and I really, I really do love doing this. So I was going to talk about um, a kind of issue that I had last year. Mm. And it's something that I think probably a lot of people can relate to, mm. hopefully. Um, and it's basically dr- uh, involves drinking. Mm. So last year, and this is, this is quite uh, tough for me to talk about because... 
it could have been really bad. Yeah. And I think I am very lucky for my friends and family and also to my partner, Claire. But basically, so I've always, you know, when I moved to London, London's super exciting. And I've always been, I'm a very sociable person. I love my friends. I love my family. I love socialising. And that goes hand in hand, usually with drinking. Yeah. And I've always been like the life and soul of the party. And I just, I love to go out and have a good time. And when I first moved to London, obviously being a musician, there's usually a lot of drink around. Mm. And in my 20s, it was just carnage. And, but that was okay because yeah. it was my 20s That's and I was having a before. good time and, <laughs> you know, having a laugh and stuff. And I think when I got into my 30s, I think I started to maybe realise myself, but I think like Claire's always been amazing and, and she started to point out a little bit that maybe I was kind of taking it a little bit too far mm. and there's a number of occasions and it actually gives me quite a lot of anxiety mm. when I think about them, so I try mm. not to. Yeah, of course. But there's quite a few occasions where my drinking would lead me to some really dark quite bad places yeah. and I would let people down um I'd miss work I'd let Claire down mm. I'd be really unreliable with my friends with my family I'd do things that I wouldn't usually do mm. when I was sober and I think the time where I knew it was getting out of control was lockdown yeah and it was a tough time it was tough and I had a lot of time on my hands and I started to really I was well, I suppose before lockdown, but but really in lockdown, I, I was drinking pretty much every day. Yeah. And my sort of tipple is beer and whiskey. Yeah. So it would be like, go to the shop, buy five, six cans, and then polish off half a bottle of whiskey. That's a lot. It's a lot. Th- when you think about it, it's a lot. And think and like looking back now, how much I was consuming was mental. And I think basically last year, it got to the point where Claire had had enough. Yeah. And there was a couple of occasions where I basically, you know, I took it too far and it would be, you know, not letting her know where I was or she'd be worried about me. And then sort of, you know, saying things that I wouldn't usually say and then rolling in at five in the morning, absolutely steaming when Claire had worked the next day. There was, there was just so many yeah. occasions I can't remember. And I'm I'm so grateful to Claire that she put up with me because yeah. I was a fucking arsehole. Let's, 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 not, let's not get it twisted. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. an absolute arsehole. Yeah. And the, the sad thing is, is that Claire is my world. Yeah. You know, she's the love of my life. She's my best friend. And we've got such a lovely life together. And I was letting her down, but I'm never like that when I'm sober. Yeah. I'm so reliable. Yeah. I treat her with the utmost respect. I do everything. She's my world. I do everything yeah, for that. Girl. You do absolutely, um, and we're such a good team. And she, you know, equally does everything for me. Like we're, we're just, it's just, it's a, you know, she's everything I've ever dreamed of. And it got to the point where I was just out of control, and I was letting her down so much that I could just, I could see the love, um, kind of, you know, just disappearing yeah. from her. And I remember. <laughs> There was this one occasion, basically, and she left me. So yeah. last year, Claire left me. And um, we obviously have a house together. So I moved back in with my parents. And I remember thinking, and I remember going around to the house and us having a conversation. She said, I just don't think, I think you've literally just drained me dry. Like, I don't think I have any love left in me. 
That's savage. That's savage. God damn. That's savage. And I remember like finding any little excuse to go over to the flat just to see her because yeah. obviously missed her so much. Yeah. And I remember getting back in my car and after she said that and I was like, I drove up the road and I just cried for mm. like an hour in my car. And I was like, that's the first time where I thought, that's it. Yeah. I fucked it. Yeah. That's it. I've, yeah. There's nothing left. That's I've just lost like you know, I want to have me and Claire are thinking about kids now, and yeah. you know we are, we are back together now. Yeah, <laughs> thank yeah. God. Yeah, yeah. But, absolutely. You know, I've, we've got a house together that we bought. We're thinking about kids. I want to spend the rest of my life with that girl. Yeah. And because I've, I've evidently got a problem with drink, mm. I have lost her. Mm. And that feeling, I'll never ever forget. Like mm. just feeling like a piece of shit. Yeah. And totally. So what I did. Is I was like, right, I just need to do everything in my power to change this and rectify this. So I read loads of books. Um, I read Catherine Gray's The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober. And then the follow-up to that, which is amazing as well. The I think it's Sunshine Warm Sober, which is amazing. And I basically sort of set on a mission to mm. change myself. So I was like, right, I just need to stop drinking completely. Yeah. So I exercised pretty much every day yeah. and got back in shape. Um, I actually, in her book, she gets her family and some of her friends to write her letters right. of how they were when they were drinking yeah, and how yeah. they are now. They're, yeah. they're sober. So I got my mum. That was really hard to read. I remember read. you telling me about that. That was a yeah. savage one. My mum's like... She's very good at writing letters. And it was like, <laughs> it made me cry. I think there's yeah. probably still tears because I've, yeah. I've kept it in my drawer. Nice. And, um, you know, just to kind of hear my mum be like, you know, you were letting us down. There's there's all these things. But then she's like, when you're sober, like you're this, this and this. And it was like this, yeah. just this contrast. And um, I exercised every day. I got myself in shape. And I basically, um, I had six months yeah. off drinking. And I've, I, you know, I've, I've, I am sort of drinking again now, but it's very controlled. Yeah. And I have to really plan ahead. Yeah. And because, you know... I do understand that some people out there are just like, right, I can never drink again. Yeah, and no, I, get I get that. that. And I think yeah. there's diff different levels. But I do really like to have a drink and yeah. socialise. And I think I just got to a point where it was out of control. Yeah. And I feel after that six-month break that I got some clarity. Yeah. And now I've gone back to drinking. I, I don't re I've got some rules, so I don't really drink in the week. Yeah. Um, or I, I don't really drink at home. Yeah. And if I do, it's like I have a, like one beer. Yeah. And it's and it's very rare. I think since I've been back to drinking, I think I've had like a beer at home. Yeah. It's very controlled. Yeah. Um, and I I don't like I love all my friends, but I don't go out with certain people at the moment yeah. because I don't no. feel like. I feel like it's a bit of a trigger for me. Yeah, for sure. Um, and usually, like, I mean, we're going to go for some drinks yeah, tonight. absolutely. But it will literally be over dinner. So exactly. it might be like it's a, a very different context. It's very different rather than going out on the absolute tear. And I feel now that, you know, me and Claire are back together and stuff. Our relationship is just a million times better. Like we've got yeah. we've got our, our team mentality back. We've got such a lovely weekly routine where we cook together loads. And I don't feel... I felt I think I was drinking to get rid of the anxiety, mm. but it was drink that was making Causing me anxious. Anxiety, yeah. So it was just this horrible spiral. And now when I have a drink, it's it's like I have a couple of beers and it's like, oh, this is nice. Mm. It's not chasing that feeling or chasing the next pint. And yeah. you know, it would be 
a couple of pints and then 6am rolls around and I'm still out, Yeah, you know, and it's, it was just a horrible time. And I think the thing that was really tricky was that when we were gigging, yeah, we were always surrounded by drink. All the time. And it was the first couple of weeks were tough, man. Yeah. Going to the venue and everyone's like, you know, do you want a beer? And everyone's like, yeah. And I'm like, can Mm. I just have a water, please? Or the non-alcoholic beers really got me through. Yeah. Thank God they're much better now. (laughs) Yeah, so much better. (laughs) I'm just, I'm really proud of what I've achieved. You should be. I'm doing a triathlon. Yeah. In May, so I'm training for that at the Lunatic. moment. Lunatic. <laughs> it's not like a full triathlon because I'm not going in that hard to straight away, but it's it's a triathlon sprint, which is still a fair distance. <laughs> Come on, like, yeah, exactly. Um, but it's, I just, little things like that. I, I look forward now to feeling good rather than I look forward to going out and drinking. That's and a it's really like, big difference. You know, drinking is, is, is great in moderation and just, you know, having some balance. Yeah. And unfortunately... You know, I I couldn't do that for a while, and I yeah. feel like now if I ever start to feel like that again, I have the tools. I'm yeah. saying I'm 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 in therapy as well. Yeah, that really helps. But yeah. I feel if I ever if I ever got an inkling of that again, where I was like, oh, yeah. this is getting a bit dangerous, I'd just stop again. Yeah. And it and I'd put in place. Now that I know that I did those six months, I know I can do it again. Yeah. So if I need to, I'll just do that. And so I I know some people might be listening to this and being like well, I feel like you should never drink again. Yeah, and, that's, and that's, you're entitled to your opinion. Inti- yeah, Absolutely. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. I just feel like now it's nice to have that balance. And for me, it seems to be working. So we'll see how it goes. But mm. that's where I'm at with that. And it was um, that's the, the toughest thing I've ever been through because yeah. it was just all-encompassing. Like yeah. everyone that I knew was affected by it. And also... To know, and I wasn't shy about it as well. Yeah. Everyone was like, "What's going on?" I'm like, "Me and Claire broken up. Yeah, I've, 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 I've got a drinking problem." And yeah. it was like, "I, you know, now that everyone knows that, um, and also to all my friends and family out there, I like, I love you so much. Yeah. Like, you were so helpful, and the people that checked in, Ben, you were there for me the whole, like every step of the way. And it be. was so nice to like have people, you know, to see that although you've made a mistake, yes." People still care about you, yeah. and I, no one abandoned me. And it was, you know, after I did some pretty shitty things, yeah, it was, it was nice. So, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, to echo what you said, thank you so much. I'm, mm. you know, to share that, and you know, I'm sure there are so many people out there who are just nodding their head, and whether they've had the conversations yet, they've probably experienced that feeling of letting people down or whatever. And you know, we're obviously not professionals in any stretch no. of the imagination on this. So, you know, do seek out help if you feel like you might have a problem and stuff but you said something and I want to bring focus to it because I think it's the most important thing and it's balance I think my personal experience now is that we have been put too much into a binary of what is right and wrong so for example you have a drinking problem never drink again Mm. okay I, I totally see the logic in that but I don't know about you, but my entire experience of life is that it comes in grey areas. Like some days I feel happy with a touch of sad. Sometimes I feel really sad with a touch of happy. And I think we need to really listen to what we're hearing in ourselves. So, for example, you know, you said, I like to drink. And it's like, well, okay, well, we don't have to just ignore that. We can't be like, well, you can't drink. You're not allowed to drink, you know. And I think control 
it's that classic thing the more you tighten your grip the more it slips through your fingers and like too mm. much control can be a problem sometimes and i think you know with the anxiety and you know I, i'm still i would say at least over 10 times a week i will feel anxious about my career i'll feel anxious about my playing i'll feel anxious about what i'm doing the choices i've made and I think teaching really brings this out of you because I can say openly I've been jealous of my students. I can say yeah. openly that I've had a feeling of wanting them to do badly because they're better than me. Like not outwardly to anybody else, but I felt those feelings inside because the problem we have in our industry, particularly with social media, is that you just feel we're all on this giant wheel against everyone you're just running the rat race trying to keep your head above water and what really changed for me was thinking about well if I feel like that why don't I just sit with that for a bit rather than like no you can't feel like that shut it down shut it down I found that that makes it a lot worse so when I have those days I'll either write it down in my notes or I'll leave myself a voice note and I'll just say those words out. I'll say, this is how I'm feeling today. Because when they're out there, I'm like, okay, well, I have a choice now. I either follow that feeling and mm. I trust it and I think, oh, okay, I'm going to follow that very dark spiral that I could go down. Or I go, okay, well, now I've heard it out loud. Actually, it sounds a bit silly. I don't think I do feel like that. I think I felt like it for a bit. And like for me, I have like my um, self uh, image and respect and worth comes hand in hand with my mental health. So when I'm having a bad mental health episode, I start looking myself in the mirror and freaking out. I'm like, I've got to go to the gym. I've got to do this. I've got to like dye my hair. I've got like, I, I, I know where I am based on how I look. In, no, how I feel I look. Yeah, that's for me is the immediate connection. And then also I will all I will dive into sugar. I know I've got those two things. So drink for me is not a problem. It never has been. Um, and I can drink a lot and I can drink nothing. It to me, I just haven't had those moments where it has taken over me at all plus i'm just a bit older and i don't want to hang over and i don't like yeah, it no so I, I but i love to drink i mean i drink in the week i'll happily drink in the week it's not a problem um but for me i've dived into sugar so i know and i've had this and i actually said this to hannah this week i'm having a bad day because as soon as we finish dinner i'm on my phone on deliveroo looking to order ice cream sweets because what i really want to do is take that feeling of anxiousness and pour it into those sweets and just eat myself out of it. And then I'll go and I'll go to get ready for bed and I'll stand in front of the mirror and I'll be like, you're overweight, you're letting yourself go. Why should you stand up in front of young people and talk about anything? Like, and I can just, and it's so funny. Like at first I was like, oh my God, this is killing me. Like it's absolutely consuming me. But now I'm like, oh, I recognize the behavior and I've done the work to recognize yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and it comes in waves. Like, don't get me wrong. I've definitely not got like a handle on it. It comes in waves. But I've found that um, balance is the key thing. You have to take the both sides of it. So if you feel good about yourself, you can also feel bad about yourself. And those two things can exist together. And I, a book that changed my absolute world um, is Untamed by Glennon Doyle. I highly recommend that. 
Now, it is absolutely focused towards um, female empowerment and stuff like that. But my partner read it and just gushed over it. And uh, anything she's into, I'm like, I'll give it a go, of course. And I read it and there was so much about her journey and, you know, the most quick overview of Glennon Doyle. She was in a heterosexual marriage, wasn't very happy, and then met the love of her life, who was a woman, left her husband and and married her love of her life and wow. became and became a lesbian and i just thought my when i heard that story i was like that's wild oh my god and i read her book and then the whole thing about this thing is like we've got to stop trying to shut down feelings like this whole thing and she uses this analogy of, of, of being in the house that's burning down around you which i really felt when my mental health was bad i just felt like i was sitting here in a house that was on fire and i was just waiting for the roof to come down and kill me like literally i was just watching that beam get higher and like more and more charred and then it was just going to hit me and i'll be like great so that's that and she said you know we need to stop trying to pull ourselves out of that fire immediately like what if we just sat there for a bit and, and dealt with it yeah and and dealt with it and like you know feel what it's like is it really bad okay it is really bad so what does that mean or like is it really bad no it's not as bad as i thought it was okay so what does that mean and i feel now like when i look at things and i have those mental health moments where i'm like oh it's a bad day it's a bad day today okay it's a bad day but it's a bad day it's not a bad month and if it's a bad month it's not a bad year. So I try and take the balance with it. And I definitely don't have it right. And sometimes I can get it really wrong. And I will just spiral and eat four bags of wine gums and, you know, drink a whole bottle of wine and just know that I'm numbing the pain. It's like, but I know I'm doing it. And I sometimes go, do you know what? That's what I need right now. Mm. And I'm going to do that. And if it got worse, I know there's people who would notice it and they'd pull me up on it. Yeah. But I think what we've got to do, and this is, you know, to musicians, again, we are so, so keen to hear your thoughts on this. I just feel as a musician, you are up against everyone all the time. And then everyone below you who's chasing you, everyone who's above you who you feel like you can't obtain. And at the same time, you just know that this is what you want to do. And it's that conflict. Definitely. And it's... So that for me, it's like my my thing in my life is balance and integration. How can I live the dark with the light? Not how can I get rid of the dark? Because that doesn't work for me. I can't eliminate these feelings. It's too difficult. What What's your feeling on that? Yeah, so, you know, obviously, you know, people listening, I just want to sort of, you know, express that myself and Ben are not professionals no, in not this. At all. And we're just having we're not a pretending to be no, either. Exactly. We're just having a conversation about it. Oops, Daisy. I just knocked my drink over. Um, yeah, we're just having a conversation. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree, to be honest, mate. I, For me, where it kind of clicked and where I started seeing a little bit of light is where I sat in the dark. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> mate, I love it. Take so, me there. So, basically, I, I, I totally agree with what you said because I had to basically come to terms with what I'd done. Yeah. And, and, and the place that I'd kind of got myself into and relive yeah. all those horrible times and I, I really had to look myself in the mirror and I'm quite a stubborn person yes and then when I <laughs> agreed when I, when I set my mind to something and I was just like right that's it I need to change it and it, it works well sometimes and, and not so well so yeah. other times you know it's stub stubborn can be a positive and also a negative but in that case I was like right that's it I'm getting better 
and I just put everything in place. I've actually, it comes up every morning. So I've got um, two reminders on my phone and one says, remember to exercise and journal. Mm-hmm. And the other one is, you got this, crush mm, it. Nice. And it's, it comes up every morning and it's, you know, that might be cheesy to have something, no, people, but it's a, works. it's a coping mechanism for me. And it just reminds me, it reminds me that like, it gives me like a positive thought when mm. I start my day, but it also reminds me of the negative. Mm. So it reminds me, I've got that on my phone for a for reason. reason. Yeah. And I, I need it there to remind me of the place I got myself into. Mm. You know, you said about you drank to get rid of the anxiety. Mm-hmm. What was the anxiety, if you don't mind me asking? Do you know what? I, I, I still don't know. Right. And how um, do you feel about that? I, I feel, so my therapist is amazing and it, we're still kind of like exploring that. But I wonder whether... <sighs> I wonder whether it, it was just the, the whole thing around drinking. I was mm. I was anxious because I was so sort of numb to the drinking that it was maybe I, I secretly knew that I had a problem mm. and that was making me anxious. So then I drank more. Mm. That's potentially it. But I mean, I do put a lot of pressure on myself, mm-hmm. I think. And I probably could be better at, you know, talking about my feelings sometimes. And I think like I, I remember saying to you a couple of years ago, I was like, I'm never having therapy. Oh, my God. Who, yeah, who, you, you did waste of money. I remember. I remember <laughs> secretly. In my, well, not secretly. I remember being like, "Well, I think you know, mate. That's quite a strong thing to put yeah. out there." And I was, and then obviously now that's just so not you. <laughs> but the thing is, I think for, maybe for years, you know, and I think most of my friends and family would say, so I'm, "I'm a very positive person." Oh, definitely. You know, and I'm just definitely. I'm, I, I, I thought for years, I'm just like, "Oh, it's just, life's pretty easy, isn't it? This is great. It's going really well." And I think, you know, I just was a bit blind to maybe what was actually going on. Mm. And other than, you know, other than the drinking, um, you know, everything's okay. And yeah. like, obviously I still have, you know, down days and yeah. stuff, you know, I'm not a robot. But at the same time, it was like, I, I don't think I saw it coming. Mm. And then I was so blind to it, it kind of hit me like a truck. Yeah. And when it did, it all came crashing down. It wasn't yeah. like, I think I was so blind to the build up. Yeah. That then when it happened, I was like, it just knocked me out. And um, it took me quite a while to recover from that blow. And then I started to sort myself out. You know, you said like you were blind to it. And I I remember feeling similar. But now with fresh eyes, I go, well, I wasn't blind to it. I was numb to it. Mm. I actually, I did know it was happening. And I just knew I just needed to shut it down. Like as soon as I felt that feeling... Like I remember when we first moved to Ealing and it was amazing. Like we got to live together. I was so excited because I'd just come out of this horrendous relationship and uh, had about a penny's worth of self-worth left in me. And I remember you were like, let's go to the gym. Let's get into a gym. And we had our friend Adam and stuff and we, we got into it hard. Yeah, we like, did. Maybe not in the best possible way, but we definitely got into it hard. And I remember that was the first time I ever felt self-conscious about my body ever 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 and I remember and this is and I cannot stress enough how much this is not your fault but I remember like back then you were pretty fucking shredded like you you had a very I mean and not and again you don't (laughs) (laughs) you'd look amazing now but back then you you know we were young and obviously you looked amazing and I never thought about that when I was I didn't give a shit what I looked like to be honest with no ego I didn't seem to have a problem getting people to uh, give me love. 
<laughs> what I say. So I was like, oh, whatever, like you know, this is working fine. And then I remember like coming out of that relationship and and really sort of not knowing why it affected me so much. And then I was like, oh, maybe it's because I'm ugly. And I remember looking at you going, I don't look like that. Hmm. Should I look like that? So then I thought, and I never had this conversation. This was now looking back on it, I can see those 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 mindsets. So I was like, right, well, you, when you said, let's get into the gym, I was like, yeah, let's get into the gym. Let's do it. And then I was like, what I wasn't saying when I used to go to bed, I was like, I have to do this now because I am not a good looking person mm. and I am not going to continue to be attractive to the opposite sex if I don't do this. And of course, if you pull that thread, it is the same thread as the Odyssey gig. It's the same thread as what got me to that point. And it's all coming from the same thing. If I'm not accepted, people will leave me. And it's just that over and over yeah. again. So, you know, I had those moments, but now I'm like, yeah, well, I will still feel that always. And it's fine to feel like that. But I, I was curious when you said about kind of where the anxiety was coming from, because you know, you said you're a positive person. You are an incredibly positive person. You know, it's one of my favourite things about you is like you are, you're the sunshine of most people who say, oh yeah, Johnny's just you know, such a sunshiny person. What, what worries you apart from the drink? So the drink is a separate thing now that you kind of live with. But is there anything like in our industry, like, you know, I've kind of said the things that worry me, like what worries you? Yeah. So, I mean, that, that question actually leads me on to kind of the next thing that I mm. wanted to talk about. Um, and that's kind of the future, yeah, and where where we kind of see ourselves. Because mm. I think the that question sort of brings up quite a few. Yes, it's a big question. It's yeah. a big question because I think what I didn't realise, and I think what does sort of worry me, is that my life, well, the last couple of years really, and as I've got into my thirties, is taking a slightly different trajectory. Yeah in terms of like, I am doing slightly less gigs now and a mm -hmm. bit more sort of teaching mm -hmm. and, and I'm really enjoying all that sort of stuff. And to be honest, I'm I'm looking, me and Claire are thinking about children mm -hmm. and we're going to get married and uh, I'm starting to kind of think about the future. And I think money has always filled me, me with quite a lot of anxiety. Me too, yeah. And also, you know, with music, I'm, I'm always kind of worrying, like, am I relevant yeah. And with the sort of like, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, in some ways, I'm really happy because I'm doing the gigs that I've always dreamed of. And, yep. I'm, and I'm, I'm doing, maybe I'm doing slightly less, but I'm not, I'm doing less because I'm not doing the gigs that I don't want to do anymore. Yeah. And I'm in a very, absolutely, you know, privileged position to, position to say that. But at the same time, it's like, well, I'm not gigging as much. So does that mean that yeah. I'm not, people don't want me on the gigs or something? Yeah. I, I've made that decision. And bringing it back to the money thing, I think... I, the one thing that my biggest trigger and thing that stresses me ah, fuck mm. out is money. Yeah. And I think thinking about providing, mm. not that, you know, Claire, Claire yeah. does really well. <laughs> yeah. and we're, we're, you know, we're very joint in, in, in our finances, but I want to be there for yeah. my kids and I want to be, you know, the best dad. And I think something that really stresses me out is 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 money and mm. I, so when you that that question to answer that i think something that i didn't realize that stresses me out so much is money and mm. i'm actually really excited for the future like this podcast the launching behind the beat that's my kind of that's my 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 goal now yeah is, absolutely is starting Same. this with you and um but it still doesn't 
get rid of the anxiety. No. Also, you know, this are people going to like this? Well, it's I know. Like you're we've just yeah. under the microscope. We, right? We've basically taken the probably the stuff that some of the stuff we haven't said to each other, not in as many words as this. So like, and we're just putting it out there. But mm. like, I actually, I don't feel any nerves about that. Now, I don't know if that's a bit of a worrying thing, actually, <laughs> no. because I think I've just because I've I've decided that you get one chance at this life, and yeah. what is the point of of hiding stuff now? Like. Let's just have it out. And I think, and I look at my students or, you know, our students, and I see some very sad people sometimes. And I have these conversations with them. And, you know, I sit there and I think, oh, God, I, I'm so sorry to hear you feel like that. So if I maybe show you that I feel like that too, mm. and that I'm still here, and I'm still loving my life, and I still go through those bad times. Maybe you can be a bit more seen. Maybe you you see that someone else is like that. And I think that we don't have enough people going, it's absolutely fine in this industry to be an absolute wreck. Yeah. Because that's what Instagram doesn't show you. So yes. when you're watching all these videos and the people you love and stuff like that, you don't see maybe the five hours that they've been up crying because they think they're not going to get those 15 seconds posted. And I remember in lockdown, I was doing videos, mainly because I just needed something to do that wasn't being on Microsoft Teams, and which is fair <laughs> enough. And um, I was always like, I don't care. I'm doing it for me. It's just something to do. Like It's just something to do. Every Friday, I released a video. I was like, oh, Friday's coming. There's another week out of lockdown. Come on. And then I started to look at the likes. I started to look at the engagement. I could feel myself being sucked into that machine going, well, that got less than last time. Yeah. Oh. Oh. What? What? Hang on. What's going on? I thought this was good. And I was like, oh, this is weird. I haven't felt this for a while. And I think that, oh, that feeling... And I know it's never going to go away. I can't, you know, it's absolutely ridiculous to think that I'm going to look at gigs that I would love to do myself and not feel that pang of, oh. Yeah, I wish I was doing that. Like whatever that feeling may be. But instead of being like, oh God, that's a problem. Why am I feeling like that? Uh Oh, trigger, trigger. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'm feeling like that. Okay. Am I feeling something else because of this? Is this actually telling me something else? I remember hearing this phrase and I cannot remember who said it again I'm not very good at remembering people who said these things but someone said that if you're angry anger is a channel for change so you're angry because you're looking for change and I do find myself getting angry sometimes at myself at people I don't talk about it because I don't think expressing anger in that way is positive at all I think I need to come to my conclusions with the anger first and then I would go and talk some about it. But I always find that when I'm angry, I'm angry at something that I want to change. And I think that's something that I'm really sort of like exploring at the moment because, you know, I'm thinking about stuff and I'm like, well, why did that anger me? Why am I constantly trying to wish this was different rather than going, well, that person's going to be that person or that situation's going to be that situation. I can't stop the tube strikes. I can't make students turn up to classes. I can't, you know, whatever these things are, completely out of my control. And instead of going, well, it's because you're a piece of shit and no one likes you, I'm like, oh, maybe it's just them. It's with them. It's not my job to fix it. And I think... For Ben Jones to say, it's not my job to fix it, that is the growth. 
that when I say that, that feels like very big to me because always the thing was, oh yeah, but you'll just fix it and then they won't leave you. It's fine. Mate, fair play. So there you go. I think that that social media thing as well is mm. I do social media has so many pros. Oh yeah, because Definitely. you know people have careers off it and this we couldn't do this. No. Like you're not going to get a podcast out, are you? So it's a massive platform, and I, I think as well there's a lot of like you can do a lot of learning as well. There's there's so much content out there, but I do I you know it's, it's positive, but I, I also do feel some you no know, sorry for some of our students sometimes because there is that expectation that you know you need to live up to certain things and i think i always find it with especially with the drummers they're so confused about who they are so they come in and they're like i want to be like this because i've seen this video and this person yeah and it's like well that's not you and then they they've this constant battle with who they really are and who they want to be or who they think they should be and i always say to them like you know it's again you don't know the backstory behind these people you know they might have been practicing that one video for two years and you haven't got it in five, in 10 minutes so you're annoyed about it yeah and it's like i think you know again it's balance isn't it i think the thing i've taken from today is 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 balance and it's it's you know i'm not i'm not preaching to people go you just need to be balanced no, it's just not. it's it's easier said than done but i think balance really is is key and if you can if you can get a balance with things I think you'll be a hell of a lot happier and it's it's really tricky and I think it's putting the things in place to help you through that and that's like from what I've learned through the things that I've been through it's it's all about balance. Yeah, I totally agree and I think, you know, for anyone, you know, students, people, musicians, whoever, like social media is only going to get bigger. So we can't yeah. be like, well, we just need to shut Instagram down. Well, that's not going to happen because then another platform will come up. And I think that there's a lot of stuff that can make you very sad in this world. You only have to go onto the news for 10 seconds and you can be like, I don't think I can do today because I, I've just, <laughs> yeah. I just can't deal with this. I think, you know, be mindful of what you're putting in your brain. Yeah. Be mindful of what you're absorbing. And I remember, you know, I have very sort of strict rules about when I look on the internet, when I don't. I have very strict rules about um, not booking myself too much things in my weeks. And, you know don't be afraid to explore what you need even if it's different to what you're seeing somewhere else like listen to yourself because i think you know we do know a lot of the time what we need we're just a bit worried to say oh i just actually i don't want to do that gig but if i don't do that gig am i a real musician oh my god and then i've got to sort of like oh i've nothing to post on instagram and then like oh my you know oh it just it all falls apart at that point so i think you know there is enough space for all of us and you know just remember why we do it that's the thing for me it's like i love playing me too we just need to focus on that more and obviously good people be with your friends be there for people all the normal stuff but um thank you for coming and and checking this out and obviously thank you mate you know i (laughs) i know I, i i uh i really i did go somewhere there today and i really found that quite difficult but i'm glad i did yeah because it reminded me of how far that ago that was and what's changed now so yeah i'm and you said you're taking away the balance thing i'm just taking away that it has been such a journey yes and it's like imagine what we can talk about in another 15 years you know probably with little ones and stories mm. of parenthood and and the, the blend of that and yeah i'm just so grateful for another 
whatever it is hour and something with you so me too mate. yeah and i'm so proud of you mate you too so proud it's like this is like a timeline isn't this podcast it's like i'm kind of like yeah. piecing back because you you know we, we've done a lot and you kind of forget about certain things yeah. and i think as well like you know from from today if again myself and ben are not professionals would just hang a conversation but if you are struggling like just chat to someone yeah. and i know Reach sometimes out. that's easier said than done but i think the more we can talk about things and you know whether that's therapy or a friend or a family member then i think please do and you yeah. know journaling really helps and you know just all those things just trying to put them in place and, and again that balance so if so- social media is proving a problem delete it yeah, have come a break off it for a bit absolutely if, you know, if you're struggling with alcohol or anything like that try it if you can i know it's easier said than done but if you can have breaks from things I think it massively helps definitely and yeah thank you so much we love you all take care and we will see you for a slightly brighter one (laughs) on the next one all right thanks guys bye bye cheers you've been listening to beats and best friends a behind the beat production It was recorded at ICMP Queen's Park. The intro music features John Harris on drums, Ben Jones on bass, Adam Goldsmith on guitar and Nick Ferry on keyboards. Thanks for stopping by and we'll see you on the next session.